0: Good morning. Welcome to Roadmap to Heaven here on this Thursday morning, October 26th at 7 a.m. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening to Covenant Network. Let's begin our morning in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O oh Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins for for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Thursday morning to you. We have a jam-packed show for you today, so I'm just going to give you the rundown and then we're going to go to the weather. We have a homily for you this morning on the GPS of heaven, which is convenient since the show is called Roadmap to Heaven you know, I don't know the last time I've actually used a map, but I use GPS all the time. And same philosophy, different technology, right? So we'll we'll go that way. We're going to use GPS instead of uh, maps this morning. Then we have uh, we're gonna revisit, as we have been all week, Marian apparitions of the last hundred years with Doug Barry. Today we'll be talking about Our Lady of Coapa, Nicaragua. We're gonna go back to school this Thursday morning with Father David Skillman, looking again at Redemptor Hominess, the Redeemer of Man, St. John Paul II's first encyclical. And we're going to hear about suffering this morning from Father Joseph Mary Wolfe of the Missionary Franciscans of the Eternal Word down in Birmingham, from last week's Catholic Radio Conference. So that's all ahead on the show today. I would like to remind us all at the outset that tomorrow is a day that the Holy Father is asking us to set aside as a day of prayer and fasting, and so have that plan going into tomorrow. We've been talking about it all week. I just want to give you the reminder this morning, pray and fast tomorrow, we might have some time later on to talk about what exactly that means. In the meantime, let's go to Mike Roberts for our weather and our saint of the day.
1: Today is the feast day of St. Peter Of Alcantara born in Spain in 1499 his father was governor of Alcantara and his mother was from a prominent noble family Peter felt called to serve the Lord from a young age and by the time he was 16 he had made the decision to join the Franciscans drawn to the strictest observance of the Franciscan journey Peter never allowed himself to sleep very much some reports say just 90 minutes a night and he kept severe limits on his clothing and diet at 22 he was sent to establish a new order of stricter observance to the rule of St. Francis, and they became known as the Alcatrans, who in the 19th century would join with other Franciscans to form the Orders of Friars Minor. Peter was a great preacher, and many sought his wisdom. He was St. Teresa of Avila's spiritual director, and it was Peter who encouraged her to bring reform to the Carmelites. In St. Teresa's autobiography, she detailed some of the miracles Peter performed. St. John of the Cross and St. Ignatius of Loyola were also among his contemporaries. As he was dying, Peter was offered a glass of water but refused it, saying, My Lord Jesus Christ thirsted on the cross. He died in prayer while still on his knees in 1562. St. Peter of Alcantara, please Pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day.
2: Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts.
3: Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Oh, what consolation, what sweetness, what confidence, what emotion fill my soul when I pronounce thy sacred name or even only think of thee. I thank God for having given thee For my good, so sweet, so powerful, so lovely a name. But I will not be content with merely pronouncing thy name. Let my love for thee prompt me ever to hail thee, Mother of Perpetual Help.
0: We have been looking all week at Marian apparitions of the past hundred years, and today we're going to revisit the segment with Doug Berry on Our Lady of Coapa, Nicaragua, and the message that we should be paying attention to today. We are continuing our conversations with Doug Barry here on Covenant Network about Marian apparitions of the past 100 years. And Doug, today we're talking about an apparition that I did not know about until you and I started planning out these conversations, Huapa Nicaragua. So what can you tell us about this apparition?
4: Yeah, this is one of those apparitions,
0: again, out of left field. I didn't know anything about it. Again, approved by the
4: church. A priest friend of mine who's from Nicaragua brought it to my attention. He said, Doug, you need to check this one out. This one is legitimate. Kind of earth-shaking if you think about it. I said, okay, looked into it. You've got a man named Bernardo Martinez, and he's helping out at the church at different times. And it's a small village-type area. You know, Quapa is not big metropolis and so forth. And and he sees one night, it's in April of 1980, he sees light coming from the church, and he thinks some of the women may have left the light on the church from their prayer group and such. And so he goes in there, shuts it, there's no lights on when he gets there. What he finds eventually is that there's this statue of the Blessed Mother that's radiating light. So it starts with this statue of the Blessed Mother radiating light. She's, he's amazed by this. Then by May 8th, the first apparition begins. Now, Our Lady, again, because of our time here, I'll keep this relatively short, sums up that she's coming to him talking about the need for people to pray and convert. Here's this running theme that's been going since Fatima, very powerfully since Fatima. The world is in a different place now than it ever has been historically. We've had ups and downs, we've had battles and wars, but there's something different about where we are now because the potential of our, call it global conflicts, can be literally globally devastating on a whole nother scale. And in addition to that, you've got AI, some artificial intelligence, transhumanism, all these types of things that have been very, very well documented. This is not being hidden anymore. So it's a different time now. So back in 1980, when Our Lady appears, which isn't that long ago when you consider what has happened over this amount of time, she makes very clear man still needs to recognize the importance of conversion, praying the rosary, and so forth. Long story short of all this is Our Lady comes several times. The last apparition is October 13. Once again, anniversary of the miracle of the sun in Fatima, October 13. This is not coincidence. This is one of these things where in heaven... I would jokingly say in talks, imagine the Blessed Mother turns to Jesus after the apparition. Wait, son, when did we do the miracle of the son? Oh, Peter, can you look that up? And if, oh, October, th- oh my goodness, we're doing it on the same day. No, this is intended. So when Our Lady comes again, sent by her son, remember, on October 13th, and this is a particular day where there's a crowd of people there, and Our Lady appears, and she's dressed in her white garments and so forth. And Bernardo turns to her and says, the people don't believe that this is happening. Now, she becomes so sad that they do not believe that she's appearing to him, that immediately her clothing changes and she appears instantly as Our Lady of Sorrows, and she begins to cry. Our Lady is crying because we are not believing that she's coming to us, in essence, is what we're hearing here. Now, she does warn Bernardo, and he eventually becomes a priest, Father Bernardo Martinez. He has since passed away. But she warns through him that because of your lack of response to my call for conversion, you are hastening the arrival of a third world war. So Our Lady comes, and again, on October 13th, she weeps. She shows herself as Our Lady of Sorrows. People are not responding. She warns of a third world world war now again when you hear these messages there are many people out there for years who would say well that would never happen that would never happen because we know that it would be mutual destruction we always hear that term you know mutual destruction but there are people out there there are tyrants and dictators in the world who are so far gone in cooperating with evil that to them watching the world burn just for the sake of watching the world burn is not so far off the rails for them because of where their mind and their heart are they're not close to god we have to understand. When there are people out there who embrace, fight for, and defend, and shout from the rooftops their abortion, that it's okay to dismember or mutilate or behead or poison a baby in the womb of its mother, we have to realize that that culture of death can permeate many other hearts that are open to it that have turned their backs on God. So when Our Lady talks about a third world war, we need to be taking that much more seriously, and also her remedy, which is prayer, fasting, conversion, and of course, the rosary. I'll back up real quick before I wrap this up, Adam. In Fatima, there was one thing that the Blessed Mother repeated in all six apparitions. It was the only thing that she repeated really each time, clearly. When you pray the rosary, you can bring peace to the world and you can avert war. Now, my question to the audience is, how much do we really want peace in the world? And how much do we really want to avert war? If we really do want those things, 15 to 20 minutes a day of praying the rosary should be done like that, should not be a problem
0: for us. Indeed, it it should not. And it's a very important question. And sometimes I get preoccupied. Well, what are the other people doing? And well, first and foremost, Adam, it it starts with you. If if I'm not praying my rosary, I have no business being worried about what anyone else is doing because I'm neglecting my responsibility. Doug, once again, I mean, it's a very consistent message. The Blessed Mother calls us to conversion. She warns us of what will happen. If we do not, she's got a really good track record so far. So I don't know why we would be ignoring her. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's, these are all church approved apparitions. So these messages are very clear for us. Uh, I look forward to our next one. And I want to thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Adam. Again, I'm happy to be with you. So that's our fourth of our fifth revisits to the Marian apparitions and one that we need to pay attention to, as I've said each and every day this week. We're going to take another break. When we come back, Father Skillman will be with us to talk about inheritance as part of the Redeemer of Man.
5: Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to thee, and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which thou intended me to become when thou created me. For in thy perfection I will give thee the glory thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. Back when
0: I was in high school, I had a theology teacher my junior year who every Friday would have the weekend material and it was a collection of teachings that were not necessarily part of the syllabus for junior theology but that he felt were very important and we needed to know anyway and I keep telling him I see him every now and then I'm going to bring back the weekend material. Well, we're not there yet, but we have the Thursday material. Also not necessarily on the syllabus for practical things to grow in holiness, but definitely going to help us out in one way, shape, or form, or another. And here we are for our Thursday morning instruction on the Redeemer of Man, the first encyclical of St. John Paul II with our professor, Father David Skillman. (laughs) Father, it's good to have you back with us this week. Good to be back. Taking one step at a time through the encyclical here. I know it's a, it's it's like a long walk together, but a good walk together so far. So, accompanying one another, we might say. You could you could say that. <laughs> last now last week we were talking about criticism and yes. uh, that you know it, it's okay to criticize, but we have to be careful how we criticize. Sometimes the manner is just as important as the criticism. Um, and then there is a, a, such a thing as undue or overburdensome criticism, um, where you may have crossed the line. I usually fall into that camp, probably, if you ask my wife. You've crossed the line in criticism there. (laughs) But that's not what we're going to talk about today, because that was last week. Today we're going to talk about collegiality and the apostolate. We are.
2: So this is a beautiful thing, I think, about St. John Paul, is that he was very honest in that last section we spoke about, about difficulties in the Church, right? There are struggles, and he spoke about the turmoil present in the Church at the time, which we continue to experience in various ways in our time. But he wants to also point to the the bright spots. Like he doesn't want to lose sight of of the good that's present, even in the midst of the struggle and the difficulty. And and those two words you mentioned, collegiality and apostolate, are are two bright spots that he names. Uh, He says, this is a quote from the encyclical, I must keep all this in mind at the beginning of my pontificate as a reason for giving thanks to God, for warmly encouraging all my brothers and sisters, and for recalling with heartfelt gratitude the work of the Second Vatican Council and my great predecessors, who set in motion this new surge of life for the Church, a movement that is much stronger than the symptoms of doubt, collapse, and crisis. So, that that hope, right? He's a witness to hope. And so, I figured I would just pull out from the Catechism, uh, the, the definition that the Catechism gives to these two terms, because they, they sound, and I guess probably are, kind of rather technical theological terms, but in the, in the Catechism, which, of course, wouldn't come along until later in John Paul II's pontificate, uh, we read this under the, under the word collegiality, the principle that all the bishops of the Church with the Pope at their head form a single college, which succeeds in every generation the College of the Twelve Apostles with Peter at their head, which Christ instituted as the foundation of the Church this college of bishops together with but never without the Pope has supreme and full authority over the universal church. So this is one of the bright spots of Vatican II, this this call for the bishops of the world united around the Pope to care for the universal church. And John Paul names in particular here um, two particular outcomes of the council. One is the, the Synod of Bishops. This is something new after Vatican II. There's a lot of talk about the Synod of Bishops in our day and age. Um, it was... I suppose, more kind of ordinary and less controversial back then, uh, but also he names Episcopal conferences. Um, so, you know, particular, usually within a country, all of the bishops working together in, in conference for certain aspects of, of the care of the Church in that part of the world. Um, so this this gift of collegiality, which I'm sure to a Pope is is a great comfort that it's not just me, right? I'm, I'm, I'm working together with all of my brother bishops throughout the world in this immense task of caring for, for the church. And then he speaks about the apostolate. And here again, this is from the Catechism. The apostolate is the activity of the Christian which fulfills the apostolic nature of the whole church by working to extend the reign of Christ to the entire world. So you can hear the connection to the word apostle in that word apostolate. An apostle is one who is sent. Right, so this is a reference to all of the, the work that the church does to go out into the world and to, to call people to faith and to offer to them the saving truths of the gospel. And, and here he he highlights especially the, the conviction that came out of the Second Vatican Council that this is not just something for priests, bishops, that the laity are called to the apostolate, that the whole church has a responsibility for this work of extending the reign of Christ to the entire world. And he sees this as a bright spot coming about before his very eyes in the church at his time.
0: It's always funny to me that we think of these things as, you know, especially as someone who was born in the 1980s. Well, this has just always been around. The synod of Mm -hmm. bishops has been a thing since you know, back to the apostolic times uh, when Christ founded the church and you had the original 12 apostles. Um, no. It's, it's actually a fairly recent development in the life of the church, and, but that we all have a share in the apostolate. And I think so often we, we kind of write that off, oh, that's Father's job or that's, that's the archbishop's job or that's the pope's job. That's not my job. And it's like, no, no, it's, it's your job too. You have a responsibility for passing on the faith, for evangelizing, for sharing the gospel, and so do I. So let's not shirk back from that responsibility. Well, Father, this this is always—I uh, I enjoy the definitions as well because I enjoy that the Church gives us definitions. She mm-hmm. doesn't just say, well, interpret that how you will. It's like, well, no, we're going to use a term. We're also going to say exactly what we mean by that. So I, I look forward to our next time together learning about this inheritance as we walk through the encyclical Redeemer of Man. Very good. We'll see you then
3: prayer to the Blessed Virgin. O Mary, you desire so much to see Jesus loved. If you love me, this is the favor which I ask of you, to obtain for me a great personal love of Jesus Christ. You obtain from your Son whatever you please. Pray then for me that I may never lose the grace of God, and that I may increase in holiness and perfection from day to day by that grief which you suffered on Calvary when you beheld Jesus, expire on the cross. Obtain for me a happy death, that by loving Jesus and you, my mother, on earth I may receive the reward of loving and blessing you eternally in heaven.
0: It has been an incredible few days at the EWTN radio conference with radio affiliates from across the nation, and it's always a joy to run into some old friends at these <laughs> conferences, and Father Joseph Mary, you certainly fit that description. Uh, it's always a joy to spend some time with you.
6: And you too, Adam, and I so enjoyed my time in St. Louis. You gave me a tour around there, which I really enjoyed. I'd really never seen much of St. Louis, so I uh, Yeah, good memories.
0: Well, one thing I was not able to show you was a cup that I recently bought and have on my desk that says, Don't Waste Your Suffering. It's Mm. a lesson I've learned, actually, as a fruit of doing all of these radio broadcasts, hearing so many great Mm -hmm. uh, speakers talk about the power of redemptive suffering and uh, not to waste your suffering. And I thought, you know, if there was one person I, I ever would be able to speak with that would have some great things to say about suffering, it would be Mother Angelica. But sadly, she is not available for interviews right now, (laughs) although I think she's watching out for us with this one. Uh, And so I thought, well, Father Joseph Mary would be a wonderful person to speak with because you and Doug Keck host Answering the Call, where you revisit all of these great Mm -hmm. segments with Mother Angelica. And you recently had an article in the National Catholic Register on this very topic, what Mother Angelica would say about suffering. So I think that's the question. What would Mother Angelica say?
6: that he was her faithful companion throughout her life, her helpful companion rather, helpful companion, because she said that suffering always kept her dependent on God. And that's what suffering does, doesn't it? Is that we can't maybe find a solution here in the world or in medicine or psychology or whatever it may be that we're struggling with, we can't find the solution. And so we begin to look up, you know, one time one of our employees said, would you call my friend, Chad, who lives in California? He's dying of brain cancer and he's been away from the church for 30 some years. So of course I did. I called him and and Chad said to me, you know, sometimes we never look up until we're flat in our back. And, you know, he was saying that he began to think more seriously about the spiritual things because he was dying of brain cancer. And you know what's the meaning of all this? What's, is, what is about the afterlife? And those sorts of questions. So the important questions, the eternal questions, suffering helps us to consider.
0: Now, mother knew suffering from a very early age, if I remember correctly. She, did she have polio or what was the illness that she was afflicted by?
6: Well, early on, she didn't so much have physical problems. She had family problems. So her father left the family, divorced, Her mother, when she was just five years old, I believe she was, and he didn't pay alimony. She would have to go out and try to collect the alimony, which he didn't pay. So she said, sometimes my mother and I would share a piece of bologna for dinner. That's all they had. And uh, so it was a very painful thing. Her mother struggled with that very much. She struggled with depression because of that. And Mother Angelica experienced some, you know, not being welcomed because at that time it was, if you were from a divorced family, then there was some kind of shunning that was taking place too. So all of that was going on in her young years. And then when she's a teenager, she has this stomach ailment that doctors can't solve. And so there was this mystic at the time, Rhoda Weiss, whose cause is actually progressing. It's now in Rome. She's a servant of God, Rhoda Weiss who had mystical gifts and the stigmata. And she said, pray a novena to St. Therese. And I think mother learned a lot from Rhoda Weiss because Rhoda Weiss suffered things from the passion in her own mystical life. And so she did on the ninth day of that novena, 19-year-old Rita Rizzo, later to be Mother Angelica, was completely healed. And of that she said, Before that, I never really thought about God because I was just too busy trying to survive. But now I realize God loved me and all I wanted to do was love Him back.
0: Wow. And then later in life, she had issues with her legs Mm -hmm. and she had to wear braces. Yeah. And and, and someone was telling the story the other day on our retreat day out at the shrine that when she was healed of that, Uh, through prayer and and somewhat Mm -hmm. miraculous healing, that she got her first pair of shoes. That's right. And that she went to our Lord (laughs) of the Blessed Sacrament to say, look at my new shoes. Yeah,
6: showing her the first pair of new shoes that she had because the other ones always had to have these braces built into them. She had to go to this special orthopedic uh, man. In fact, he later came to work for the network, this man who was fitting her shoes and so on. He was so impacted by the nuns and Mother Angelica, he himself wasn't Catholic. But he came into the church because of that encounter with Mother.
0: Now, I think of your order, the missionary Mm -hmm. Franciscans of the eternal word, and I grew up in a a Franciscan parish, a different branch of Franciscans, but Franciscan charisms in both places. Mm
3: -hmm. And
0: uh, from what I remember of St. Francis, he was not one to shy away from suffering either once he had his conversion experience and started the order. But I I think the question I have for you, Father, is, you know, when we think of saints like St. Francis, when we think of the example of Mother Angelica, it doesn't seem like they woke up in the morning and said, okay, now how can Mm -hmm. I go suffer today? But rather they... just said well when when suffering comes today i'm not going to run away from it is is that the lesson
6: yes and for mother she'd say, you know i got a headache i'm going to take an aspirin you know (laughs) she would take the normal remedies but we know that there's some suffering we just can't find a remedy for and so that is what we need to offer mother was one more about spiritual mortification right so it wasn't like you're going to sleep on the you know, uh, floor or do, do those sorts of things, but it was more like a spiritual um, dying to oneself, growing in virtue, being patient with other sisters. And so yes, so that was um, you know, the philosophy that she had basically, and St. Francis likewise. Although at the end of his life, he goes to pray on Mount Alverna, And he asked for two things. And I think this helps us understand Francis' understanding of our Lord's passion. He says, Lord, give me as much as I can bear in my body what you endured in your passion. And also give me in my heart as much as I can bear the love with which you went to your passion. So Francis understood that it was love that brought our Lord to the cross, love for us. And Francis who loved Christ, meditated on his passion, just wanted to be united with him, even in his suffering.
0: Wow. I I love that in that prayer, he didn't ask for the full measure. I think that reflects an understanding that Mm -hmm. he knew he could not not bear the full measure of what our Lord endured, but to say, give me as much as I can bear, Mm -hmm. as much as I can endure. I I think that's a beautiful thing for us. if someone were to come to you and say, after hearing this interview, Father, I loved what you said with Adam, but how does this change my daily living? You know, what, what spiritual disciplines should I change in my prayer life or perhaps add? And, and, and how do I go about my day differently if I would like to suffer with joy? As Mother exemplified for us, as St. Francis exemplified for us, what, what are a few things you might suggest to them?
6: Well, one suggestion Mother Angelica made to me one time, I went to her office at the network. I was a brother in the community. I wasn't yet a priest. And I was talking about some troubles, you know, and things I was going through. And she said, You need to make the Stations of the Cross every day. and meditate on our Lord's Passion. She had a little plaque with the Stations. She made them every day herself. Now, I haven't necessarily always made them every day, but I have found in our Lord's studying His passion, His suffering, it gives us strength, something of His strength and His His love is imparted to us. But the second thing I would say that really has helped me a lot was when I went to Fatima and I considered the message to the children to make of everything an offering. And if we go through, going through some suffering, Jesus, I offer this for love of you and for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for offenses against the Immaculate Heart, we can turn our suffering into an act of love. Then it has value, not just something to be escaped, run from, try to find some outlet, but I can turn it into an act of love. That's what the children were taught at Fatima.
0: We think of weight training, that you you don't just go in from zero weight training and grab the the 100-pound barbell and try to lift. Mm -hmm. That's probably a bad idea. Mm -hmm. And and I think of a priest friend of mine. He and I joke around about what we call the confraternity of the minor annoyance, (laughs) you know, those paper cuts you get that you could offer up for uh, a soul in purgatory. And, you know, as much as we joke about it, one of the reasons we talk about it quite often is that we recognize in our daily living, when we aren't carrying those heavy burdens, if we aren't training... To suffer with joy in the everyday, yeah. that perhaps that stub toe <laughs> or uh, the glass that spills whatever the, mm-hmm. the minor annoyance right. can be of great value to train us because I think uh, back to a time in my life. I had my wisdom teeth removed and I, I went into it mm-hmm. all gung-ho that I was, I was going to suffer and I was, yeah. it was going to be a wonderful opportunity. Don't give me any of the, uh, the narcotics. I want to do this for the souls. And then if you ask my wife, she'll tell you about four hours later I was curled up on our bed crying in tears. <laughs> I'm not strong enough to suffer. I'm not strong enough for the souls. Uh, but that's why that daily practice mm-hmm. of this is so important because someday mm-hmm. a trial will come yeah. and we won't be ready if we haven't been practicing.
6: I think that's great advice. Yeah, even the little things and even the sacrifices we make don't have to be these extraordinary things, you know, that just kind of put us out (laughs) for a day or two because we're so worn out from, you know, severe fasting or something like that. It's important for us to deny ourselves, to offer these little things, and that's a good, that's really good advice, I think. It it's, trains us for the bigger ones when they come along.
0: Well, Father, it's been great to talk about suffering with you. I wonder if before we go, though, just because we always love to hear stories about mother, mm-hmm. uh, you shared with me once, you first came to the network as an engineer, mm-hmm. and you were helping out with the television. And at a certain point. She started praying for your vocation. Yes. And, and, and I, I
6: wonder if sometimes we hear
0: you on the Mass on the radio or we see you on the television. Well, he always knew he was going to be a priest. That wasn't the case. Could you share that story with us?
6: Yes. I was uh, actually a boy serving the stations of the cross in our parish. And my mother was driving me home. Just the two of us had gone to the stations during Lent. I was asked to serve. And on the way home, she said, Do you ever think about being a priest? And I said, No way and (laughs) so I had my own plans I became an engineer but this calling was uh, mother must have perceived it mom must have perceived it and so she calls me and she says this to me but anyway mother could see that too and when she began this community one day I'm setting up the cameras and mother stops and she says one day you're gonna be a brother in my new community you just don't know it yet (laughs) <laughs> and before I answered, she left to pray with the crew. <laughs> but that's what happened, this prompting and many confirmations that that's what God wanted me to do is what I did. And what an adventure, what a wonderful adventure. I'm so grateful to God for being involved with this.
0: And if I remember correctly, you finally surrendered mm-hmm. and you said to her, Mother, this isn't fair. That's right. How how many of you praying?
6: Twelve nuns praying against one guy is unfair odds, I said to her, (laughs) and she laughed. And I said, what is this community? She said it'd be Franciscan, it'd be the spiritual support for the network.
0: Now, how many years have you been ordained?
6: Thirty. Do do you have any regrets
0: that Mother and the sisters were praying for you?
6: No, in fact, I've been thanking God just for the providence that I look back now and I see how I actually ended up in Alabama. And there's just a lot of details there that I see now where God's providence leading me there, so.
0: Wonderful. Father, thank you again for your time. Before we conclude, could I ask for a prayer for our listeners?
6: Father, we thank you for all the ways you provide for us, and we pray, especially for those who are suffering, maybe intensely, that you would give them comfort and consolation and help them to be united with your son Jesus and his suffering for their own sanctification, but for the good of souls we ask you to bless them, strengthen them. Mary, Mother of Mercy, pray, pray for, for us. us. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the
0: Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you'd like to hear more from Father Joseph Mary Wolf. On Covenant Network, you can tune in for the daily Mass, and you'll hear Father from time to time on the Mass. And then on Friday mornings in the 8 o'clock hour, Mother Angelica answering the call with Father and Doug Keck. It's a wonderful way to spend a half hour on Friday mornings. We are going to send it back to the studio. Father, thank you for being with us again today.
6: It's good to see you again,
5: Adam. Prayer for Charity Oh my Jesus, thou art very true love, Enkindled in my heart the divine fire, which consumes the saints and transforms them into you. O Lord our God, we offer thee our hearts, united in the strongest and most sincere love of brotherhood. We pray that Jesus in the blessed sacrament may be the daily food of our souls and bodies, that Jesus may be established as the center of our affections, even as he was for Mary and Joseph. Finally, O Lord, may sin never disturb our union on earth, And may we be eternally united in heaven with thee, and Mary, and Joseph, and with all the saints. Amen.
0: Are you enjoying this podcast?
5: Well, if you are, did you know
0: that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R Catholic Radio So far this week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, we have learned about St. Dominic Savio, St. Tarsicius, St. Agnes, and St. Maria Goretti as we draw inspiration from saints who are children. Patty, what saint does Thursday have for us?
7: Well, today we're going to talk about St. Jose Sanchez del Rio. And he went to visit the tomb of a Cristero martyr in 1927 and asked God to let him also die in defense of the Catholic faith. But not even a year would go by before his wish was fulfilled. In February of 1928, he was assassinated for the cause of Christ at his death Jose was just a month shy of his 15th birthday. Pope Francis canonized this 14-year-old martyr on October 16, 2016 in Rome alongside six others. Witnesses in the cause for Jose's canonization testified that he was a normal, healthy kid, with a joyful character. He went to his catechism classes and was notable for his commitment to the parish activities. Though it put his life at risk since public worship was prohibited in Mexico at the time, he received the sacraments when he could. He prayed the rosary each day with his family, and despite being very young, Jose understood very well what Mexico was going through with the persecution in the 1920s. Despite just being a boy, Jose joined the Cristeros, a movement that was trying to defend religious liberty in the country. He carried out simple tasks, such as helping with the logistics for those who were fighting the forces. And Jose saved one of the leaders of his army, the Cristero leader, General Morphine. Morphine's horse was killed, and he was in danger of being captured, and Jose, seeing his predicament, quickly got off his horse and handed his horse to his general. My general, he said, take my horse and save yourself. You are more needed by the cause than I am. General Morphine managed to escape, but the federal troops captured Jose, and they took him to the town of Cotija, and they beat him and rebuked him along the way. The authorities offered him many, many proposals to save his life, but the boy refused them all because in order to get them, he would have to deny his faith. On February 10th, 1928, they transferred Jose to a building close to where he was being held and they told his family that he would be shot. One of his aunts managed to bring him communion. I am sentenced to death, he said. At 8.30 p.m., the moment that I have desired so, so much, will arrive. I thank you for all the kindnesses you've shown me, you and Magdalena. That's what he said to his aunt. The soldiers tortured him by cutting the bottoms of his feet with a knife and forced him to walk barefoot to his last resting place, the cemetery. They brought him to the cemetery where first he was stabbed, And then they gave him a final blow in the head, witnesses said. Once at the cemetery, when he was stabbed, he shouted, Long live Christ the King! Long live Holy Mary of Guadalupe! And then the military leader shot him twice in the head, put his lifeless body in a small grave, covered him with dirt. It was 11.30 p.m. on February 10, 1928. St. Jose Sanchez del Rio is an inspiration to us all and we pray that we will be capable of giving witness to christ in our daily lives persecution may come in the form of ridicule of being canceled in our culture or pressure to deny the truths of our faith and we need to know these stories and imitate our heroes when difficult moments arise if you haven't seen the movie for greater glory I highly recommend it because it is the story of St. Jose Sanchez del Rio.
0: Another one of my favorite saints. Patty, thank you so much for sharing his story and his witness with us today on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Here's a little fun fact for you. It was recently announced that St. Jose Sanchez del Rio will be the patron saint of the Seek 24 conference here in st louis missouri presented by the fellowship of catholic university students focus they do some great work it's going to be a great conference and by the way by the way have you heard about the making missionary disciples track you know we tend to think of the seat conference as well that's for the college kids that's for the young adults that's not for you and i i mean adam come on you turned 40 this year You said earlier this year that seek, proved to you that you are no longer a young adult. But you know what? The Making Missionary Disciples track is for people like me, and it's for people like you. People who are active in the life of the church and want to evangelize. And maybe sometimes, you know, we say, I want to evangelize. I've got that desire, but I never got the training. Or it's been a while since I've got some training, and I could use a brush up on uh, what to do, what works, what doesn't, how to do it, some practice. Well, that is what's there for you and for I. So uh, I encourage you to check it out. Visit seek.focus.org, that's seek.focus.org. And when you click on the register button, you'll be able to see the options before you have to actually finalize a registration. Um, It'll have a button for college students, and it will have a general registration button. That's the one you want to click, general registration, to find out more information about the Making Missionary Disciples track. And today is the last day to get early registration. Tomorrow the price goes up, but today you can get an early registration price of $399 for the full event, or you can get a one-day pass. And I, got, I have to tell you, if you're thinking, well, I'll probably just do the one-day pass. You know, uh, Understandable experience has shown get a one-day pass for early in the week monday or tuesday uh, probably tuesday tuesday is the first full day because i bet you're going to want to come back in fact they don't offer a well they offer a one-day pass for monday as well but if you go on tuesday i guarantee you you're going to want to come back later that week and uh, if you get your one-day pass for friday there's not much to come back to because friday's the last day Seek.focus.org for more information on that. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Mary, Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Don't forget, tomorrow is a day of prayer and fasting. Uh, We'll be with you with a special panel of the Roadmap Roundup, a Memento Mori edition with some wonderful Knights of Columbus. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and pray your
5: rosary today.